welcome to Passion Projects, where we explore anything and everything to help you navigate the twists and turns of your career, one chat at a time. I'm Gabriella Parker, and today we're speaking to entrepreneur and business owner, James Crepe. As a business owner, you, you know, you put on an incredibly brave face and, you know, to, to, to the outside world throughout COVID, you know, we looked like we were, you know, absolutely flying, really successful. Mm. But, you know, the reality was in March 2020, when the government announced that, you know, all hospitality had to completely shut and people weren't 100% sure at that point if you could do takeaway or not. Mm. Um, literally overnight, within a week, uh, monthly revenue dropped by over 50% pivoting his business and finding innovative ways to keep him and his customers afloat during COVID. James talks following your passion and making your side hustle a reality, how to stand out in today's job market and gives us an inside look into what it's really like running your own business. James, thank you so much for joining me on the uh, Passion Project podcast. Good morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's quite all right. So um, for the benefit of the listeners, you and I go way back, don't we? So we met each other. A, a, a decade, in fact. <sighs> I know. We worked that out the other day, <laughs> didn't we? Now. That shows, shows I feel I'm getting old now. But That's exactly what I thought when we worked that out last week when we were chatting. And, and actually, I was saying earlier, this is quite a good excuse for me and you to just have a bit of a catch up, to be honest. So I hope our reminiscing and catching up is, is interesting to everybody else as it is to <laughs> us. Well, I think, yeah, we've definitely got some stories that won't, uh, won't be repeated on the podcast. Uh, yes, exactly. We, uh, we worked in recruitment, didn't we? And I think uh, we, we were young. We were having lots of fun. And I think there's probably lots of stories that we need to not repeat. So, yes, definitely. Let's, uh, let's keep this clean, James, on this podcast. It will be very clean. Because <laughs> <laughs> times have really changed for us. I know we're laughing and joking about... Um, you know, messing around and having lots of fun when we worked in recruitment. But both you and I have done a very similar thing and we've ended up setting up our own business. And I'd, I'd really love yeah. to talk to you about that and chat in more detail because there'll have definitely been some ups and downs for you in your business and especially with COVID recently when we, we get into what you do. But actually, I think our journey has been quite similar from where we started in recruitment and we both learned a lot from the company that we worked at it was it was challenging yeah. definitely at times I think but you and I have really grown as people and set up our own businesses and and that's what I'd really love to talk to you about because I think in those you know over a decade over 10 years so much has happened and not just in terms of we've gone from this job to this job and then we've set up our own business but actually the things that we've learned along the way um and I think there's some yeah. really interesting things here that are moments in time that actually crystallize and make us be who we are, but also make us be the employers or the managers that we are. And I think there's some great takeaways of, of the things that you're going to talk about that will help loads of people, whether they're thinking of setting up their own business or they're applying for a job at the minute. I think between us, yeah. hopefully there should be some gold in here. Definitely, yeah, no, some, yeah, hopefully some, yeah, some really useful bits, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So over 10 years ago, we were working together in recruitment. Most right. of my listeners know my story and, and how I've got to the, the place that I have running Talent Foundry. But tell us how, how you got to, to where you are. What's your story? 
Yeah, so um, obviously we were working together uh, in Leeds for a professional headhunting company, which mm. was an amazing experience. And I'm sure for both of us, where we picked up sort of a lot of our kind of really core business mm. skills and, and sales skills. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it was a, a fantastic job, a great opportunity um, and a, a lot of really valuable experience there. But I suppose after I'd been there for two years, I kind of decided that recruitment probably wasn't where I wanted to be longer term. Mm. Um, and I'd always had a passion for uh, the nightlife industry. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine for, for me, working at this company in Leeds was it was sort of a graduate job. So you can imagine my parents' dismay after working there for two years to say, I'm suddenly leaving this really prestigious job. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to move back home because I want to save money on, on rent in Leeds. Um, and I'm going to start running nightclub events full time. And you can just imagine how my mum's jaw dropped as I broke yeah. <laughs> news to her. I can imagine that was the same reaction as when I gave my very, very Yorkshire father the news that I was moving to London. He was just perplexed. He was like, why would you want yeah. to do that, love? <laughs> exactly. But you know, it, it worked out really well. I'll, I'll talk you through the journey. Mm. Um, so did the nightclub events I think it was about ended up being about four or five years in the end um and you know it went really well we were running big events all over Cambridge here we were doing big weekly Saturday night events and getting you know a thousand customers through the door um and it was while we were doing the nightclub events that Facebook at the time kind of really started pushing their ad platform okay so when we first started doing the nightclub events we were advertising you know on the radio we were on you know, Kiss FM we were doing flyers, local magazines, posters, sort of very much your traditional advertising. Mm. Um, but by kind of the end of my sort of four or five years stint doing the nightclub events, um, it was pretty much 95% of all our marketing was through social media. Mm. Um, and you know, at that time, it was Facebook that was you know, the, the main platform. Um, so it was you know, through Facebook and through Facebook ads. And we went from spending quite literally thousands of pounds a week on traditional advertising to you know essentially hundreds of pounds a week through Facebook marketing and we were still getting the same thousand customers through the door but now we could see who these people were we could engage with them we could build a relationship with them we could you know see who their friends were and really kind of build a community around these these nightclub events um and so it's kind of a natural progression of how I got into really social and it was my my local hairdresser kind of as I was getting my hair cut would talk about what we were doing I love that. The, you know the, the owner in the local pub I'd be chatting to him when I was there sort of having a pint and kind of realized that actually you know and you know all businesses are using social media or you know should be and certainly mm -hmm. very much today um but weren't necessarily directly being able to, to sort of drive customers or drive money off the back of it mm. um and so I just literally started doing it on the side you know helping the local pub helping the hairdresser yeah. um and kind of realized that you know what actually there's a huge business opportunity here um and at that point in time as well I've been doing the nightclub events for I think it was coming up to five years I was you know mid mid-20s mm. but you know when you're out till four or five in the morning kind of four or five nights a week for years and years actually you know mm -hmm. it's, it's fun at first but then the novelty does start to wear off a little bit and I can you know, your friends do go to some of the events and stuff but suddenly you're out you know till five in the morning every single Saturday and every single bank holiday and big mm -hmm. occasion and um so for me it was I mean it was a nice lifestyle change being able to move to I guess a more traditional kind of uh nine to five time and believe me it's not been nine to five at all but that, no, was, that, I... <laughs> that, that was the dream anyway <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I think it's every entrepreneur's dream. And then it's absolutely not the reality when you're in it. I think I've never worked as many hours in my life as I, I do now. Exactly. Yeah, I literally live and breathe it. But I love it at the same time. And yes. I'm passionate about it and it, it's not work. So you know, I don't mind thinking about it at 10 at night or thinking about it at six in the morning. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's what you love, isn't it? So Exactly. And do you know what? The amount of people that I speak to where actually the business they've set up has been something that they're just passionate about and it's been a hobby of theirs or it has been I'm going to call it a side hustle and that's probably the, the most cliche thing that I've ever said on this podcast so far but it, it's right know, in phrase isn't it it is isn't it yeah um but it's your passion and, and hence this podcast being called passion projects because my day yeah. job isn't helping every single person out there with their career because I, I I can't speak to every single person but that is my passion and hence me launching this podcast because it gives me the platform to do that and the, there's more and more people that I speak to where they're realizing or dreaming or hoping that that little passion project that they've got could become something else yeah. and COVID has definitely given people um the balls to do it in some way I mean COVID gave gave me the balls to do mm -hmm. it and I thought if I don't do it now I'm never going to do it it might be the worst time but also it might be the best time I'm going to go for it but I think yeah. there'll still be lots of people who have been on furlough or who are still on furlough. And it could well be the best time in anyone's life to start some kind of passion project because um, I know you're not being paid as much, but you do have the time and you're being paid a bit. Actually, I know a lot of people are saying they don't feel like they have purpose not being in work. What an amazing mm -hmm. thing to then do to kind of give yourself purpose. I know there's a lot yeah. of those kind of thoughts going on at the minute. And that's exactly what you did was take your passion project and your side hustle mm -hmm. and make it and make it a business. I guess the first question I've got for you is what would your advice be to, to somebody who's thinking of setting up on their own and, and going for it? Um, I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head in terms of the passion side of things. Mm -hmm. I think that is the, this the most important thing. It's the first thing is, if you are passionate about something, whether you want to be, you know, a personal trainer and you, you love fitness and you love the gym or, you know, you're a chef and you're passionate about food, mm. it's it's that passion that's going to drive making whatever you do a success. If you, if you just start a business because you think, you know, this is going to be really profitable or we mm. can make a lot of money here, then, you know, you may well do and you might have success, but I think that can only take you up to a point, I think, to really have sort of a, you know ultimately a scalable business and a mm -hmm. successful business is one that you are truly passionate about mm. i mean for me it was obviously it was natural progression and you know got great experience doing the social media marketing and we got results from it mm. but actually you know our core client base now is hospitality it's food and drink and yeah you know when i was a little kid i was actually brought up in a hotel my parents used to own a hotel and yeah. i've always been in that environment and for mm. me being able to help restaurant owners who you know amazing cooks they've got a great vision but mm -hmm. being able to help them bring that vision to life and get hundreds of customers to come in and spend money you know for me that's the exciting thing when you walk past a restaurant and you see it, it's completely fully booked and you think right you know we've, we've helped them achieve that and help that person you know that their passion project help mm. help help them live their dream by yeah. you know cooking amazing food but having customers that are willing to pay for it mm. um you know for me that that is ultimately the driving force it's, it's doing something that you that you love and you know 
it's, it's not worth it as I know it's the, the cliche phrase but but it really isn't and I think yeah the first question to ask if you know someone is looking at starting out on their own is you know what are you really passionate about what do you love and kind of use that as the foundation for potentially looking at a direction you might go in Mm. And that makes so much sense when I look at the transition of your business, because you started doing, you know, social media advertising because that was a passion of yours and you were doing it on the side. But now for you to end up in um, looking just at hospitality and that to be your specialism makes so much sense. I mean, the amount of dinner parties that that me and you had, like getting gorgeous wine and amazing food, like food has always been a passion of yours. So it makes Definitely. so much sense to me that that's then your specialism and you're doing so well with it. No, do you know, for me, that specialism was actually something that came slightly later in the business. So my passion mm. was, you know, helping owners businesses become successful and mm. you know I was passionate about the, the marketing side and getting results and when we first started say you know I was helping the hairdresser and we, we had all sorts of clients from you know car garages to local shops and any business really you name it but it then got to the point a few years in when we started to hire staff and we needed to have people in different areas and it became you know very obvious that you you know you can be a jack of all trades up to a point, mm. but you can't be, in my opinion, a true expert in sort of every single you know field that you perhaps you know could be in. Mm. Um, and so that was then we sort of looked right. We, we probably need to specialise a little bit um, to you know, make kind of the best use of our resources and sort of streamline things. Mm. Uh, you know what what's, you know what makes sense, and there was a very natural progression. We'd already got a huge number of hotel and restaurant clients. Mm. And they were the ones that we were getting the best results for out of all the clients. And yeah. you know, probably subconsciously, because I'd happily spend the extra hours working on those clients. Yeah, of course. Them, <laughs> I was naturally passionate about them. Um, and so they were, they were getting you know, naturally good results sort of as a result of that. And then now, you know, we've still got a few of our kind of initial clients that have been mm. with us since the very beginning that, you know, we're, we're very loyal to and do a great job for. Um, but now in terms of new business, we are exclusively hospitality. Um, and that's so that, you know, our whole team is, you know, like me that sort of lives and breathes it and loves mm. it. And, you know, we can do a, a great job for them. Yeah, absolutely. You've got experts then, don't you, that that carry that passion through as well? Because I think when it comes to selling anything, I mean, I went from recruitment into sales. You've got to be passionate about something you sell, because if you're not, how on earth can you expect your customer to be passionate about it? So it makes so much sense that you've had success with that model. Yeah, definitely and then you know in, when when you start a business like you are the salesman whether you you, you are a salesman or not like you yeah. are having to sell yourself your service mm. whatever it is and I, mean, I think one of the reasons our business was so successful when when I started it was because I was very very good at selling and selling is my background that's my mm. thing but I was talking to people about something I was passionate about so that energy and that excitement naturally came across as I was talking I wasn't having to put it on and sort of put on a presentation front of it. you know mm. I really was excited about talking about yeah. helping the restaurant and the food yeah. right? and, and, and then you know people can pick up on that kind of natural enthusiasm and I think you know again if you're passionate about something it will naturally make it more successful because mm. you, you're going to attract people because you know they like to people want to work with people that are excited and, and know their stuff 
of course they do and people like people that are genuine and I think you can you can smell that kind of false sell from a mile yeah. can't you you can tell when somebody's trying to manipulate you and make you excited about something as opposed to somebody just coming in and having this genuine passion and excitement for the thing that they're talking to you about definitely um, yeah, and particularly sorry, just to interrupt that mm. when, when you start um, a business obviously it is just just you on your own and that's actually a selling point because they're not going to an employee of a company that, you know, is passionate probably to an extent and obviously they're getting paid. But, you know, if, if you do live and breathe the service or product you're selling, then mm. you know, that is actually your USP. So use that to your advantage when you're going to people. It's, you know, if you're a florist, for example, and you've had a, you've been passionate about flowers for, for years and years, mm. and you've decided to take the plunge and start, you know, selling, you know, weekend deliveries, then you know that's your USP that you, you can talk about how you you love flowers and you know you've, you've spent years and years putting together different things and you know and just an employee of a company probably can't do that yeah and so so yeah. use the fact it's new the, it, the business might be new but your passion probably isn't new mm. and so that's actually going to be a lot of your, your kind of your real selling point yeah yeah definitely and I think that you your business has been on such a journey so you started as you um just just like I have and you are you have to be everything don't you you've got to be the salesperson the accountant the PR person the marketing person like literally literally, literally got to be everything and then your your business has grown to the point now where you've got 25 employees is that right and you're, yeah 25 staff now yeah. yeah offices across the world um doing it amazingly well despite COVID even though you're in the hospitality industry something I'm really intrigued about is that will have been quite a journey especially with what's happened with COVID recently and I think yeah that's an understatement (laughs) and and there'll have been many ups and downs before that as well I'm guessing yeah I I keep wondering myself like what I've learned in, in the past, it hasn't even been 12 months yet. And I, and I started to actually write this down and, and take some notes. And honestly, I had loads and it hasn't even been a year. So I'm really intrigued to ask you this question. Um, what do you wish that people had told you before you set up your own business? I'm not, I mean, for me personally, I'm naturally very confident and sort of certain that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to be able to deliver it, however that is. Um, but I think when you, th- that's very much true of your, your passion, your, your key thing you're good at, but when it mm-hmm. starts to get to other parts of the business that perhaps you're not naturally as good at, whether that be, you know, the finance side, the operations, people management, whatever it might be. Um, I think probably an area I wasn't as good at was, you know, a typical arrogant sort of young person starting their business or but li- listening to advice. Um, and I still have a problem with this today, actually, to an extent in terms of, you know, you want to respect and listen to good people. Mm. And sometimes I think I, you know, often wrongly thought that the person that was giving me advice probably you know, wasn't as, as highly skilled as they claimed they were or mm. didn't have as much knowledge as they were sort of making out. And actually, I knew better. And, you know, maybe sometimes I did, but there were certainly a lot of times when that wasn't the case. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, make sure you you do ask for you know, feedback and advice from good people 
and, and then do actually listen to it as well don't always just do your own thing yeah I, I do the thing is I do get why that's difficult as well though because when it's your own business and you've thrown your heart and your soul into it and blood sweat and tears and and actually finances for you and potentially other people completely rest on that and you've gone with your gut for so long and it's 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 paid you back and everything's been okay if somebody then tells you something that your gut is telling you is wrong it's very very hard to not listen to your gut and believe somebody else who you may have only known for a short period of time yeah and I think that there's that and the other hard thing is that you've obviously got a perception in your head of what is right or what the correct decision should mm. be and chances are that this other person's probably telling you something different or you know saying that what you thought is potentially wrong and so you know it's it's your thoughts and obviously it's your baby it's your business and kind mm. of I know I still do sort of you take even if it's constructive feedback or good advice but you take it really personally sort of right you're telling me my idea is bad and you don't like it you kind of dagger in the heart kind of thing even though yeah. you know they're probably doing it with the best intentions to mm. to help but it's kind of um being able to recognize when you you should listen to that advice and you know you're, you don't know everything you're not always going to be right and mm. it's it's easy advice to say to you know follow other people's advice but until you're actually in that situation sort of really do think like do you actually know best here or mm. you know should you maybe consider someone else's perspective on this situation or issue? Yeah, it is really hard, even people that you know really well. So I guess my personal example on this is that um, my partner is a marketing director. So to yeah. all intents and purposes, he should know much better than me what I should do with the marketing for my business. And we've had yeah. long chats about this. And actually, I've decided to not listen to him and I've gone off on my own and I've done my yeah. own thing and and hence, you've been very successful well this is and it isn't me in any way because he will listen to this saying I was right and you were wrong but it's also the nuances the people because mm. I've I've decided that the best thing for me because of my natural style with things and because it is just me with my business is that I need to sell myself because I am my business but I don't want to do that in a conventional way because that just doesn't sit right with me. I don't want to PR yeah. myself, so to speak. I want to be me and genuine and help people. And the best platform for me happened to be LinkedIn. That yeah. wouldn't work for him because he's a completely different human being who operates really differently. And actually, if he wanted to PR his business, which is a completely different business, he'd need to do it in a different way. And I think that's a really real life example to to kind of show people then how difficult that gets because technically he is way more experienced than me but he is just a different person and yeah. on that occasion me following my gut was the right thing to do but on some occasions it won't be and I think, it, and I think that, that, that's the, the really hard thing is to recognize when you should follow your gut versus when perhaps that's not the best route and yeah you know like you say marketing director I'm not sure what what you know field he's in, but whatever sector he's working, I'm sure he's very successful and does a great job at that. But you know, your little subtleties of what you do is completely different as it is for me, as it is for every other business. And if, where possible, you want to try and get when you need to get other advice or advice that you know someone has actually done what 
you're doing or mm. been in a very, very similar sector or understands a very similar customer base or sort of as close as possible. Because as you rightly say, sort of, you know, marketing is a very broad term and someone mm. could be the marketing director of Coca-Cola, be very successful at it. But that doesn't mean they're going to help, you know, your little local shop be successful yeah. necessarily because they've just got completely different experiences mm. as to what a big brand has to do for marketing versus, you know, a little high street shop that's, you know, serving a local community kind of thing. Mm. It's just completely different. Um, so, the, yeah, that is the hard thing is try and get the best advice you can. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, I I probably follow my gut more than I follow advice to an extent, mm. which I guess it just comes down to how how confident you are in your uh, your, your decision. And also, you know, mm. do your research. You know, I'm, I'm not making rash decisions. I will spend hours researching stuff mm. and looking at stuff. So when I'm getting other advice, it's kind of as a bit of a sounding board. It's not me making just a rash decision. You know, you've got to you know do something that's commercially sound mm. and you know on paper you think is the right thing to do yeah yeah and it's <clears throat> it's done well for you so far I'd say given given where your business is now and we were talking about this last week and I've mentioned it a couple of times but I would love to touch on COVID if we can and the journey that your your business has been on because <clears throat> it's very apt because we're now at the point where some of the businesses that you're working with will have, have reopened we're recording uh, the yeah. week of um pubs and restaurants being allowed to allow people to sit outside but actually yeah. the majority of customers that you've worked with for the past year will have on and off gone from being uh, business models that thrive on high footfall high reservations making a lot of money of people coming in for dinner but also spending money on alcohol for instance to yeah not knowing what to do because they've got no other way of working or trying to just rely on takeaways. And I've actually followed the journey of your business and been, and I don't mean this in a patronizing way at all, but so incredibly proud of you. Like the way that you've gone on a journey with your customers is incredible. And, and I'd, I'd love for you to share that because I think that in such challenging times to work with your customers in such an amazing way to help them grow their businesses just shows why your business is so successful. Yeah, I think that COVID has been uh, probably an incredible experience for us overall. And, you know, it's put us in a fantastic place now. Mm. But at the same time, you know, as a business owner, you, you know, you put on an incredibly brave face and, you know, to, to, to the outside world throughout COVID, you know, we looked like we were, you know, absolutely flying, really successful. Mm. But, you know, the reality was in March 2020, when the government announced that, you know, all hospitality had to completely shut and people weren't 100% sure at that point if you could do takeaway or not. Mm. Um, literally overnight, within a week, uh, monthly revenue dropped by over 50%. Every single one of our major corporate accounts paused their contracts with us. Wow. And these are big national brands that are spending a lot of money with us. Um, and so, you know, literally as a business owner, we went from literally sort of full revenue to mm. under 50% in the space of about a week. Um, and that, that was challenging mm. <laughs> mentally. To, I remember sitting one day, obviously working from home at this point, I was sat on my kitchen table on my laptop. And there was a, an email from clients coming in to suspend their accounts. And it was literally every 10 minutes, ping, 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 ping got, for got hours. And I was just thinking, like, oh, God. oh my God. Like, and obviously at that point, no one knew you know, 
what 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 the end is what's going to be is this going to go on for two months is it going to go on for a year is the virus going to kill everyone like no, yeah. no one knew what was going to go on um but then you know within a week or two it, it became apparent that takeaways could operate um as an essential service um and so we very very quickly pivoted sort of our whole focus to really driving takeaways and we had you know client base before was you know boutique hotels fine dining restaurants yeah. you know high street restaurants and we did have takeaways as well but certainly it wasn't the bulk of our our customer base mm. um and so we got our teams to you know, proactively reach out to all our you know hundreds of clients and kind of say um right you know we can now help you support doing takeaways we changed um that sort of our whole monthly service in terms of what we could do and how we could support them we got our software team to build a load of new products um that would help you know business owners be able to you know successfully operate a takeaway mm. um a, a big thing that became apparent through covid which we kind of knew about already but it was really amplified was the needs for restaurants to have data to have a database because yeah you know suddenly you need to you need to contact people and tell them that you know you, you're doing takeaways you've got a new menu you're doing yeah. this you're doing that um, and obviously you've got the platforms, which, you know, again, have really helped a lot of restaurants. You've got your Deliveroo, Uber Eats and, and Just Eat. Um, and then they're great to an extent, but they don't share any data with the restaurant. And so mm. suddenly a restaurant is not building a relationship with these businesses face to face anymore because customers aren't going in. Mm. So their only method of building that customer relationship is digitally. And really it's through social media and email. And that's kind of the main two channels really they've got. Um, we built a lot of other products. We've got you know Apple Wallet, um, sort of loyalty passes and things now, so we can send push notifications to customers and yeah. lots of other tools that we built off the back of um mm. sort of COVID, which which have really helped a lot of the clients. Um, but yeah, then slowly sort of so it came to kind of May, June, and then our revenue started to kind of go back in in the right direction. Um, and then really we, we sort of focused our whole model and over the last year on very much pushing the takeaway side still. And obviously there were periods when you could open and then we kind of went into the whole tier system. And yeah. that was incredibly complicated for us because we we plan monthly campaigns for clients, but then we execute kind of on a weekly basis so we can be fairly reactive. Mm. But the problem was the government was, you know, for example, we'd plan a sit down dining campaign for a restaurant. Yeah. And then suddenly the next day that that restaurant's gone into tier four mm -hmm. and they now can't open for sit down dining anymore. And it was kind of, <clears throat> it was tough for us as a business. And we had to really, in hindsight, probably made some slightly misjudged decisions. But my, from a customer perspective, my thought was, right, we want to provide the best customer service. So uh, no matter what cost to us, mm. we're going to, we're going to help you with your marketing. And so kind of that meant that, if we did a whole campaign for a client and then tomorrow they couldn't open anymore and had to do takeaway yeah at kind of our expense we would redo the whole campaign and do a takeaway campaign for them and help them with that and mm -hmm. in the hindsight probably sort of we should have maybe not been okay as generous is the wrong word because we you know it, it was a tough situation for everyone mm -hmm. but i think the, the amount of labor that we had to spend sometimes was mm. probably in hindsight more than perhaps we should have yeah but everything was kind of done with you know the best intentions that you know a restaurant owner saying to you know i need help i've got i've got 
you know, I can't, all my tables have cancelled next week. Yeah. I've got all this food that I've bought. I mean, literally there were scenarios where restaurants have got a full delivery of food that morning. And then mm. in the evening, Boris has said, you've got to shut. And they've got thousands of pounds of, you know, fresh meat and veg and stuff that's been wow. delivered. And, you know, what's the, the only way they can get rid of that is through takeaway sales. Yeah. And so suddenly you've got to quickly shift everything and they want an email going out that day and they need social posts and ads tomorrow. And yeah. it was... It did really test us in terms of as much as possible in marketing. Like, obviously, you like to plan, mm. and you know there was obviously a reactive element. But you know, for us, the last year, the, the plans went out the window. We were pretty much operating on a weekly basis throughout the whole year, and mm. you know, any projections that we made for the next month were completely invalid by month two of that month. And it was, yeah, and we're still at that point to an extent. Obviously, we've got a bit more clarity now. Um, but we are still, you know, fairly last minute. Mm. Um, you know, again, prime example, outdoor dining at the moment. Um, you know, fantastic. The restaurants could open for outdoor dining, but if it decides to snow next week, which you know, 50-50 it may well yes, do, yeah. then that's gonna change everything. And then the whole focus is gonna be probably on pushing takeaways next week mm. very, very heavily, and all their tables are gonna cancel because they don't want to sit in a snowstorm and have a pint mm. um so it's yeah that, that's been one of the hardest things for us is the need to just constantly be reactive to mm. and, and be very last minute to stuff and everything was urgent for every client yeah constantly and it's you know clients say oh, I need this to go out now and yes you do but we've also got you know 100 other clients that have also phoned up in the last hour and said yeah. the exact same thing and instead we're you know we're trying to get it done as quickly as possible but it was yeah, that, that, that was that was the hardest part that kind of behind the scenes people don't see. They sort of mm. see you know, the work we're doing and supporting and takeaways and stuff. But the amount of effort it took from the entire teams to actually deliver that was mm. you know, incredible. It was a huge amount of work for everyone. And I honestly, you telling me that story, I, I had tingles like that's one of the I don't know when you hear that from a founder of a business to actually know the ins and outs of, of the reality of not just how that affected you but how that affected your customers and what that meant in real terms for people who that's their livelihood including that being your livelihood and also the people that worked for you is is terrifying yeah. and I said before that I'm proud of you I'm even more proud of you to be honest hearing all of, <laughs> all of that um I mean the, the one not, the nice thing but sort of off the back of it was that we all were in the same boat, you know, the whole country. And when we were talking to restaurant clients on the phone and obviously, you know, they were struggling and complaining and worried and all those emotions, you know, we were too. And yeah. it was almost like, obviously they were coming to us for the help in terms of the marketing side, but a lot of the conversations were actually, I think we became a lot closer with a lot of our mm. clients and they were just sort of friendly chats with each other. And we are just sort yeah. of, you know, talking about stuff and giving each other sort of you know, advice and help and trying to help each other and, yeah. you know, comfort each other to an extent that, you know, together we'll get through this, you know, mm. we'll all do our best and we'll do what we can to, you know, make the best of the situation and, you know, come out of it all right in six months, 12 months time, whenever it is. Mm. And I was going to say that to you, actually, that, you know, you're talking about the amount of work that you did in the background and actually the fact that at points, work that you'd done you had to scrap and then redo it completely for free one thing that I do know is that the loyalty that you will have from your customers now because you did that I don't think that any business could ever replicate so I am 100% sure that that will pay you back tenfold over the years if, if not more because that just isn't something that most businesses would do 
yeah, I mean, yeah, we have built a great relationship with, with many, many clients off the back of it, which which is fantastic. And you know, for us, it's they're not customers; it is a partnership. It's you know, we're probably one of the few suppliers, if you want to call us that, where yeah. you know we actually talk to the business owners every single week about their marketing. And there's not many, you know, the energy supplier might you know might talk to you once a year about a renewal, your yeah. provider, your till company, you know, even your delivery companies that are you know fruit and veg and beers and stuff, you know it's more of a transactional relationship whereas we are actually having conversations every single week with these business owners you know you end up building quite a close relationship mm. with them really um and so yeah it's you know it's been nice for us to really sort of look at our clients as, as very much partners and sort of friends to an extent because you know you do have such a close relationship with them mm. I mean, it's probably there was points I was probably talking to some of our clients more than I was talking to some of my family. Yes. <laughs> yes, I could definitely imagine. And talking of, of journeys then, so I'm honestly so happy that we're we're coming out the the end of that, fingers crossed, and, and hopefully fingers crossed, yeah. I won't say things are getting back to normal because I think that actually there's some wonderful things that have, have come out of COVID, like flexibility for employees and, and not necessarily yeah. having to go back to an office full time and things like that. So I won't say I'm happy it's going back to normal because I think that nobody particularly wants it to go back to what was the old normal, but we're getting yeah. there in, in terms of kind of loosening of the restrictions, which is amazing. But yeah. you'll have definitely had a journey from setting up your business to now in terms of being an employer. So yeah. I'm sure in our careers we've seen how to and how to not be an employer from whatever businesses we've worked at. And we're, we're not going to name any names here. But, um, you know, we'll have seen the way that other people do it. But it definitely is a journey. I mean, I, I it's just me and my business at the minute, so I, I can't start to give advice on on from an employer perspective. But I've I've been a line manager and I've progressed from being a a manager of people to a manager of managers and being at director level. And I, wow, we've learned some things along the way when it when it comes to kind of managing people. But I think as an employer, it's even more difficult because the success yeah. of your business is then dependent on whether you can pay the people that work for you to some extent, which obviously will have been something that you were worrying about during, during COVID and potentially other times. Yeah. But what would you say that you've learned being an employer? Because I'm sure that you'll have had many ups and downs with this and also lessons along the way from, from starting out to now. Yeah. So I think I maybe touched on this a bit last week. The, the key learning point for me was really I guess you know when you, you graduate from university or you do a master sort of the you know, textbook recruitment is you you know does someone tick all the boxes mm. in terms of the skill set for the job that you're hiring for have they got the you know the academic qualifications mm. have they got the experience sort of that's almost the key thing that you know the interview process looks at really in mm. terms of looking for someone and certainly in terms of initial screening that's probably the criteria that you use to to work out if you're going to take someone through or you know have a telephone interview with them mm. um but having done that and you know we've hired a number of grads sort of previously and going through that process for me that we've almost flipped it on its head now and actually and it goes back to what you touched on the start of the, the conversation earlier is it's that passion and for us sort of the the three i mean the three key things we look for is you know hire for passion first 
is someone going to be an ambassador of your brand as much as you are? Are they passionate about your industry? Are they passionate about your customers? You know, are they going to bring energy and excitement to the role? You know, mm. that's, you know, you know, for us, we're quite a you know, relatively young company. You've got a younger team and, you know, it is quite an you know, exciting, fast paced sort of energetic type culture. And, you know, we want someone that's going to you know, bring new ideas to the table, challenge what we're doing, challenge status quo, sort of you know, drive our business forwards. And, mm. you know, you need passion to do that. Um, off the back of that, probably culture fit. So, again, kind of slightly go hand in hand if they're passionate about your you know your business then mm. they're probably passionate about you know that industry or that sector which probably links to cultural fit to an extent um but you know making sure that particularly in the early days when you know it's just you and then one other and then yeah. another is you know you are going to be spending you know I say eight hours a day but reality is probably often a lot more depending mm. on what your business is together you know you need to be friends um to an extent uh, you need to get on well you need to have a laugh you know are they going to be a good cultural fit mm. for the business um and then lastly i mean the, you know the last one is very important and they have to tick those boxes and it's talent but if the first two boxes aren't ticked mm. no matter how talented you are it's yep. just not going to work so it's you know passion culture and then talent mm. um and i think you know that was certainly a learning curve for me and i think it's where a lot of companies probably put a lot more emphasis on the the qualification side of things mm. than perhaps the other two parts when even someone that's not quite as talented if they're incredibly passionate and want to learn and want to get better and want to progress you know in two or three years time they're going to be further ahead than the person that on paper right now has got better mm. qualifications in my opinion yeah um and so I think um I was just going to say that I think that anybody who's listening who is out of work at the minute will be so delighted to hear you say that because the amount of stories that I'm hearing from people where they're looking at a job description and tick the majority of boxes but then we'll get told as and I'm going to do feedback in inverted commas because I don't feel like this is real feedback but that there were other people who had more experience than them who went through to interview it's like you know at that point on a cv I mean I I can help people with trying to show who they are as a person on their cv and get that across but realistically, until you meet somebody or have a conversation with them, mm. you actually, you know, there's no possible way that you're going to be able to properly get a feel for if no. that person is right culture fit or has the right passion. You'll feel it a little bit if they've done their CV well, but I, I don't think you can get it properly. So I think yeah. for people to hear that, it'll be incredibly reassuring. And, and that is the hard part, particularly if you're apply, you know, implying, mm. implying, applying for a can't give a words out there, applying for a job in sort of a larger corporate type company that might be getting hundreds of applications, mm. you know, for a role and has got probably an online system and yeah. it's a lot more regimented. I, I do appreciate you know, it is harder in that instance to, to like you say, get that passion across. Yeah. But I think, you know, most companies are asking for, you know, covering letter, covering email and as best you can, you've got to kind of really get yourself across in that you know one or two paragraphs and try and make yourself stand out there Mm. as much as possible yes um definitely when I've seen covering letters where people have pulled away from being professional so to speak and have actually just 
written something where they don't care what somebody thinks of them they've just put their true selves and their passion into this letter and it it's quite conversational it might be a bit funny at times the way they've written it yeah. it's genuinely some of the best applications that I've ever seen but I do also understand why we've all been conditioned not to do that and we sit down whether it's writing a cv or a covering letter and it's like we become a different person and we all become quite vanilla I think because we sit there yeah. and go right okay what are they looking for what do I need to put in here so that they'll look at my cv and my covering letter and we all forget just to be ourselves yeah and I think it's it's playing it safe you know you get taught at school at mm-hmm. university you know you sort of other places that are going to support you with recruitment it's it's you know play it safe you know if you if you follow this template then you know you're not doing anything amazingly right but you're not doing anything wrong it's you know like I say it's vanilla you, you assume you take the boxes you, you might get an interview great but I think you know in this post-covid world this being vanilla doesn't cut it anymore and you know I know from, from my side if we're going to hire you you've got to wow me now mm-hmm. you've really got to wow me you know money for every business even the ones that are you know smashing it at the moment you know they're still looking at the pennies right now because mm. you know there's so much uncertainty in the market at the moment and no one's you know exactly sure what's going to happen and you've got to wow and i think the risk of trying to play it safe is far greater than the risk of trying to i'm going to use the word shock even mm. but in a positive way you know if you try and you know say something again, I'm using sort of the words loosely, but sort mm. of slightly controversial or challenging yeah. or something that's going to grab someone's attention, mm. and if that sentence or idea or suggestion or whatever you had is you know resonates with that business, mm. they're going to absolutely love that rather than you know you just having your standard. You know, I've got a few years' experience doing this and I'm a hard worker I'm confident good communicator yeah everyone says that what what's what are you going to bring to the table that's really different mm. I mean we had an interview it was before COVID probably about a year and a half ago and it was um we're looking at, I think it was one of the marketing roles um and uh the person sort of came up it, it, this was a face-to-face interview but loads of different ideas of what we could do differently on our website so essentially you know critiquing and mm. criticizing everything that we've done but I was sat there thinking you know what actually you know these are really good valid points and you're right we actually do need to address every single one of them and did I like hearing it no but <laughs> I got a, you know I want someone that's going to help drive the business forwards and okay admittedly this was a slightly more senior role mm. but you know you if you've got ideas or suggestions or stuff that you can you know add value to that business whatever that might be mm. I think you know what wow them with with you don't just play it safe with the standard template kind of you know cv covering letter but really you know surprise them with mm-hmm. an insight or some information or something that's gonna get there yeah gonna get their attention and that's why I love LinkedIn you know because I read the other day that only 1% of people on LinkedIn are actually actively posting. So if yeah, you can imagine. show up as a job seeker and post on LinkedIn, even just three times a week, 
you're doing something different and you're showing you as a person if if your posts are you being authentically you and, and you talking about you and your journey and things that you're passionate about for me that's an amazing platform to get in front of potential employers whether they're currently Definitely. or not um but you've also given some really great ideas there about how you can do that in a cv and covering letter as well which i love Definitely. I mean, you hear extreme examples where, you know, there was the guy wasn't there that posted one shoe to a company and it was sort of the letter was, you know, I went to get a foot in the door and crazy stuff like that, which, you know, that's very much at the extreme end. But you can kind of have that same kind of impact on sort of a a little bit more professional level, perhaps. Um, But through, through, you know, your your covering letter or, you know, connecting with the right people on LinkedIn and kind Mm. of, you people want to hire people that are really passionate about their business as well and you know look at it's all obvious stuff but you know industry news or what's that company doing what have they recently been involved in and kind of reference specific things Mm. in your in your sort of application rather than just you know the generic but really this is why I really want to work for you yeah you know this is why I can bring to the table. I love that you do this. I'm really interested in moving in this direction. I notice you're doing that kind of passion. That, that's for, for me, mm. that's, that's the, 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 the main thing that we look for. I love that. And obviously you can see this, but the people listening can't. I have the biggest smile on my face ever. Because, <laughs> you do. Because I can confirm that is true. <laughs> this is exactly what I want people to know and what I tell everybody that I work with because there are so many different ways for you to show you and show your passion and those are great ways to do it like you know talk about things that will really matter to that business owner because it's it's all about what you were saying right at the beginning like that was your passion and you went out there and you did really well because it was your passion but then when you're growing it's like you need people that are like a clone of you in terms of how passionate you are yeah, because yeah, then what, you feel you, you safe and know that that person is, is going to do you proud when they go out there and they're, they're going to do what you were doing and you feel comfortable letting go of the reins yeah that's exactly it exactly that amazing this has made me I mean, incredibly it, it, it's, actually, it's actually it's actually easy it's just be yourself yeah. but I think people are scared of being themselves when it comes to jobs it's mm. you think you have to put on this professional sort of corporate safe front but don't just just truly be yourself Mm. and if it's the right company for you for for Mm. what you're interested in then it will naturally be a good fit if you're yourself and you'll get the job yeah and it's interesting that you give that as advice actually because you run your own business and I do and the only point in my career to date that I've actually learned that properly is now and I've learned that through running my own business because and that's probably the same as me to be honest as well yeah yeah and it's it's very tangible and you can see it it's like what you do makes a difference to whether your business survives or not and I definitely saw very quickly that the more I was myself the more successful I was being and because it was that tangible I just ran with it and then you realize that it's worth doing but I think when you're a job seeker all you've ever been told is that you should do a CV a certain way. You should show up to an interview being being a certain way. And all of this advice that you get is to like be professional. And I think that the the actual meaning of being professional has changed. Like I'm not yeah. saying go to yeah, an interview agree. in a clown's outfit and do a silly dance. Like, you know, that that is unprofessional, but 
I can be really professional and be me. It's just my personal way of being professional isn't wearing a pinstripe suit and shiny shoes and acting in a certain way and talking in a certain way. Like that just isn't me. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Thank you. I so, love so, it's actually, so getting a job is actually easy. Just be yourself. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> if only it were that easy. But I think... Um, if only, think, if only. I think this is amazing advice for people though, because... I think that is the clincher and especially when look there's lots of people who will be out of work for potentially a year and and when you're at that point it's savings have run out you need to get a job that month because you need to be able to pay the rent or the mortgage um actually it then becomes quite hard to take what you think is a risk by changing your approach to something because you then worry that if you do that you've wasted that month by doing something different um but genuinely whoever I speak to who's been successful in getting a job the one thing that's consistent across all of the conversations is that they were themselves yeah definitely agree definitely agree Thank you so much. You've given us so many useful things here. Um, Before we finish, I have one last question for you. What are the three things that you want people to remember and and take away from this conversation? Three things. Okay. Um, Well, obviously, the the last point is definitely going to be the key one. Um, You know, be yourself and be passionate. That, That is the key, I think, ultimately. Um, in, in terms of you know whether you're starting your own business or applying um, you know applying for a job, mm. um, I think take take a risk is the second one, and you know that links slightly to being yourself. But if you're thinking about starting your own business now, you're always going to be wondering what could have been mm. if you'd done it. And I don't think you know whether you get a really great job in another company or do something different, sort of you're always going to have that niggling thought in the back of your head. And if your circumstances, whatever they are at the moment, allow you to potentially, you know, start that, that business on the side or, you know, do it in the evenings, whatever it might be, you know, give it a go because, you know, failure is not a bad thing. You know, it, just, it doesn't matter. Just you can get it, kind of get it out of your system to an extent, you know, give it a go because you'll always be wondering. I think no matter what job you did, unless you actually, give it a go you'd always wonder so mm. don't be scared to take a risk um and then the third point uh, that's a that's a good one um put me on the spot there <laughs> I think of a, a sort of a useful advice um what about the advice that you gave people um uh, for what you've learned um with your business so to take advice yeah I mean that is definitely a key one I mean to take advice but don't be scared to follow your gut either Mm. if you've done your research and your due diligence correctly so nice yeah definitely so yeah passion passion and be yourself don't be scared to take a risk when that's you know through the, the application process in terms of your approach or you know starting a company um, and yeah, you know, get great advice from great people, um, and then you know, where appropriate, use that to to inform your decisions. Amazing, thank you so much. This has been incredible. I think it'll be useful for flipping heck so many people like anybody who's thinking about setting up their own business but also massively I think for anybody who's looking to just progress their career or find a job at the minute so thank you so much 
no, thank you for having me. That's my, uh, yeah, my first podcast officially done. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Wow, what a story. James, you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Next week, we have another incredible guest and I can't wait to share our chat. You can listen first by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your usual podcast platform. Thanks to James, to my podcast editing hero, Matt Walker, who does the amazing production on these podcasts. And of course, you, my listeners. See you next week. Thank you.